May the force be with you. Ooh, welcome in the latest episode of that SEC podcast. I'm your host, Michael Bratton. I go by SEC Mike on Twitter. And I had to fire up the show. This is basically going to be the format in the offseason to come up with a creative idea. News hits. We're going to go live the next couple of weeks. And we got that thanks to the NCAA. Thanks to, uh, well, a swing and a miss here by the Missouri Tigers. And then, if you missed it, I went on the Paul Feinbaum show. I swear, I went, I go into these things not trying to be controversial. Paul gets it out of me. So, we're going to get to all of that. And then I got a little fun idea to close out the show. But let's start with my latest appearance on the Paul Feinbaum show here on Monday. Reached out. They wanted to talk Mike Leach and playoffs and all this. Mike Leach out here is wanting a 64-team playoff, comparing it to the Kentucky Derby. I mean, that's garbage. I have been I was tweeting about it all Sunday. So they had me on the show for that. And then kind of went off the rails here. I'm not going to play the whole thing. It's like 11 minutes long, but... Paul wanted some bold takes, talking SEC football. I tried to deliver as best as I could. These are things that have been on my mind the last couple of weeks. Let's kick it over to uh, my segment here with uh, Paul Feinbaum talking bold predictions for the upcoming SEC season. I'm not looking for Well, I actually am. Uh, so give me something. Uh, you know, give, give me a statement or a take that – will surprise the audience the most. If you if you had to zero in on one outcome of the upcoming college football season that will have people going, whoa, I wasn't expecting that, what would it be? Well, the one that I keep circling, I keep, uh, you know, throwing out there, and, and I'm, I'm catching a lot of heat for it, Paul, and that's, I think that's why you like having me on your show for all the heat, but uh, how about this one? South Carolina knocking off the Georgia Bulldogs week three of the season. No. In in Columbia, South no. Carolina. You can't say that on this program. We're <laughs> on the Georgia uh, Bulldog bandwagon. So you're calling it right here. Uh, and I know I'm sounding like a like, like a typical anchor here at the local news station. You mean you're saying um, you're saying you're calling South Carolina to beat Georgia right now, aren't you? Absolutely. I mean, you're talking a team here that, that started literally a, a coach at starting quarterback last season, yet they managed to make the postseason in Shane Beamer's first year and win North Carolina. I mean, no one expected them to beat North Carolina in that bowl game, myself included. They they trashed Mac Brown's Tar Heel team. So I think you're, you're getting a significant upgrade at the quarterback position. You've upgraded your weapons at running back and receiver. And uh, Clayton White's defense was one of the biggest surprises in the SEC last season. So, uh, yeah, I certainly think South Carolina's got an outstanding opportunity to shock the world here come uh, week three of the season. Well, I asked and you delivered, so I have to give you credit. Um, and, and, and it would be uh, it would simply be inappropriate for me to ask for a second headline, wouldn't it? Well, <laughs> how about this? When Arkansas hosts Alabama. I'm not going to outright predict the upset. I think it's been about 14, 15 years since the Razorbacks have uh, won that game. But I think college game day will be in town. I think that'll be a top five showdown. I think it's going to be undefeated Alabama versus undefeated Arkansas. And I think this is going to be the best shot yet that the Razorbacks have of knocking off uh, the mighty Crimson Tide. So you're going with Arkansas to have a shot against Alabama. 
And, and by the way, I don't blame you. I mean, that's a, uh, they, they have played one or two uh, close games. Last year was pretty close. Came down to the onside kick. There was a, it was a one point game about seven or eight years ago, but mostly that has been a blowout. Uh, overall, uh, as you're you're calling Arkansas to rise, uh, you obviously like South Carolina. That you mentioned Georgia struggling. What, what, who who will be their greatest threat? Uh, and I know you you call it the upset, but but when when the season comes down to its final two or three weeks, who will be vying with Georgia for the SEC East crown? You know, I think it's going to be uh, Josh Heupel in the in the Tennessee Bulls with that offense going into year two. Everything they're bringing back, Penn and Hooker with four or five on the offensive line with Cedric Tillman, who may be uh, the best receiver in the SEC, and they're br- they're bringing in Brew McCoy from Southern Cal. They're they're after more receivers there to uh, help Josh Heupel's offense in year two. I just think the offense is going to explode. Now the the defense. <laughs> It's not going to be uh, up to uh, SEC caliber when we're talking the nation's elite here, but if they can outscore a team like a, uh, the Georgia Bulldogs with Stetson Bennett, I think they have a real opportunity. I'd like to throw Kentucky into that mix, but they're going at Florida, at Tennessee, and then, of course, uh, hosting Georgia, like I said. So that that may be a little bit too much for uh, Kentucky to, to, to get over that hill. So I have to go Tennessee, I think, is going to be the best shot at knocking off the Georgia Bulldogs in the East this season. Wow, what an what an incredible conversation uh, with Michael Bratton from that SEC podcast. Uh, Ooh. <laughs> now, I swear, I, I went into this thing, like I said, not trying to be too bold, but here I done did it again. So South Carolina, I'm going to be rooting for you hard there. Week three of the season in Columbia. The Gamecocks pulled off a number of upsets in the year one under Shane Beamer. This would be their biggest upset to date, no doubt. But again, I continue to heap praise on Spencer Rattler. And this doesn't mean that I think Georgia is some garbage team or something. If they lose one SEC East game, I mean, let's not hit the panic button. I just think Georgia, with all their losses, they're going to be far better towards the tail end of the season than they are at the beginning. And this is probably the only game they could lose in the first half of the season. So going into Columbia – We'll have uh, the techno music, as Cousin Shane likes to say. We've got upgraded quarterback play. We've added an elite running back via the transfer portal. Several targets to work with. A great tight end in Austin Stogner. I think South Carolina's offense is going to be significantly better than they were last season. Enough to pull, again, the biggest upset of the Shane Beamer era there in Columbia. And, you know, again, we keep hyping up Arkansas. Alabama matchup, you missed it. That was one on our dream schedule last episode with Cousin Shane. I really think that uh, this could be the best shot the Razorbacks have in over a decade to beat the Crimson Tide. Finally snapped that streak in Razorback Stadium. They thought I was crazy for saying Arkansas would upset Texas all offseason. Not quite ready to go that far with uh, picking the outright upset over the Alabama Crimson Tide, but playing in Razorback Stadium, hopefully it's a night game. Hopefully, college game day is in town in Fayetteville. You're going to have to defeat South Carolina, who I was just hyping up. You're going to have to beat Texas A&M, which you did last year. But, you know, what was that streak? Six or seven, I believe it was, prior to that one win. So, it ain't going to be easy. But the Stars could align for a special game there on that October 1st, Saturday night there in Fayetteville. And then, 
And I don't think it's too bold. I, I assume the fans there in Lexington not too happy with that uh, Tennessee being the biggest challenger to the Georgia Bulldogs in the East. But that's kind of where I've been leaning for the last couple of weeks. I think I'm kind of settling in on that one. But again, razor thin margin, Kentucky, Tennessee, Florida, South Carolina. I think you could you could talk me into any of those teams in any order. But right now, Tennessee looks like the team to beat in that group. In my opinion, again, you're hosting Kentucky, you're hosting Florida, you do have to go on the road to South Carolina. So a little bit of home field advantage for the Vols when you factor in uh, their competition against those teams. They're kind of neck and neck within the SEC East, at least in my opinion. Now, like I said, with the NCAA came out with some news here. And again, I'm trying not to talk too much NIL because I'm getting bored to death with it. I got to be honest with you, every week it's, you know, where's this going to go? What's going to happen? Uh, do we need to, to put restrictions on it? And the NCAA's, you know, they're coming out here and saying the, the NCAA football oversight committee, they've made some recommendations, but they're trying to make it to where NIL cannot be an inducement for recruiting, which was the whole point in the first place, not supposed to be used to land recruits. Of course, it is being used for that. And here's what uh, the NCAA said. They're specifically calling out these collectives that are taking over at A&M, Tennessee, Oregon, Miami. Florida's got them now. Georgia's got them out. They've all got collectives now. So they're trying to rail these guys in. Here's what the NCAA says. Collectives set up to funnel name, image, and likeness deals, NIL deals to prospective student athletes or enrolled student athletes who may be considered transferring. NCAA recruiting rules preclude boosters from recruiting and or providing benefits to prospective student athletes. This guidance is effective immediately for violations that occurred prior to May 9th. The board directed the enforcement staff to review the facts of individual cases, but to pursue only those actions that clearly are contrary to the published interim policy, including the most severe violations of recruiting rules and payment for athletic performances. Schools are reminded that their obligation to report any potential violations through the traditional self-reporting process. So basically, you're going to need these people that are paying or the players that are getting paid themselves to turn on one another. The only way I, this is going to come back and really hurt someone, in my opinion, is if there's payments set up to be made and they ain't made. And then the prospect's going to come forward and say, hey, I got texts, I got emails, Here's the evidence. Go after these collectors. But otherwise, what the hell are they going to do? School's not going to turn themselves in. And the NCAA, just they just lose case after case if this thing goes to court. As soon as they try to go to one of these collectives and, and slap them with uh, any kind of lawsuit, good luck because these millionaires putting in money to these NILs, they've got a hell of a lot better attorneys, I have to imagine, than the NCAA, given the NCAA's track record in court here recently. So... Again, this to me, I ain't buying it. And I don't think this is going to be the end of NIL. I don't think, uh, hell, I don't think Alabama and Georgia, I don't think Nick Saban and Kirby Smart necessarily get in their way. Like I'm already, people are already reaching out to me via text message. Does this mean that uh, the NIL era is over? Not a chance in hell, in my opinion. So we'll see how this goes, but uh Recruiting ain't slowing down anytime soon for some of those marquee programs. And uh, unless something goes sideways, players that are set to be paid and aren't getting paid, 
then we may have an issue. But uh, <laughs> basically, it just says, this to me says, hey, money you promise, make sure you pay it because otherwise you may have an issue on your hands. Now, two other things. I This is much more interesting to me. NCAA Oversight Committee has made new recommendations that are set to be voted on later this month. These are both expected to pass. But doing away with the 25 scholarship limit for a year. They're going to let these schools sign as many players as they want for the next two years to catch back up to where they can get to that 85. And this may become permanent. And the reason is because you got schools out here, particularly ones that uh, have coaching changes, and we get so many players jump into the transfer portal. I mean, we're seeing 20, 25 players a year getting into the portal. There's no way you can just sign 25 high school prospects or transfers and catch back up. You're still going to be at that deficit. So the NCAA is going to allow these programs to sign as many prospects as they want for two years to catch back up to that 85-man scholarship limit. That's the key. You can't go over your 85. You still So if you're 10 short, you can sign 35 guys instead of 25 just in order to get back to that 85 limit. I think this is the right move to make. And really, I think this should be the move every year because who knows? One year you may lose two transfers. The next year you you may lose 12. You've got to account for that some way. And I think allowing oversigning would help that. Now, the biggest one, they're doing away with requirements to hold conference championship games. Now, why is that important? Because previously, you needed 12 teams and you had to be in divisions to have a championship game. Now that uh, those rules and regulations are not going to be in place, this clears the way for what we've been talking about for almost a year now. Pod system coming to the SEC don't have to have an East and West division to meet in Atlanta for the SEC championship game. This is great news with Texas and Oklahoma coming in the near future to the SEC. I've already said on here many a times they're doing away with divisions. That's what I'm being told. And this clears the way for it officially to where you continue to have your conference championship game. You don't need those divisions. That's currently written into the rules. Doing away with that, again, clears the path for the SEC to fix their biggest issue in my, which is, in my opinion, the scheduling format to where we go years and years and years without having to play somebody. So this is fantastic news, in my opinion. Now, the only nugget here I got around the league, man, kick it down to Missouri real quick, where M-I-Z! I don't know what in the hell they're doing there in Columbia when it comes to recruiting transfer quarterbacks, but they're swinging out left and right. Jaden Daniels, of course, now at LSU. He was a Mizzou target. JT Daniels, now at West Virginia, again a Mizzou target. The latest, Gary Bohannon, the former Baylor starting quarterback, he picked, this is the wildest one yet, South Florida. USF, South Florida. Not Some people were even confused. Well, UCF, Gus Malzahn, I get it. That's not even the right directional Florida program. USF, which is god-awful, they landed a quarterback over the Missouri Tigers. That's that's a tough one there. No idea why the Missouri Tigers having such difficulty landing a quarterback via the transfer portal, but 
it's interesting, you know, I don't, I don't want to just sit here and crap on Missouri because they are nailing it when it comes to recruiting high school quarterbacks. And the latest four-star, Jabari Johnson, is the number 14 quarterback prospect in the country, a top 275 prospect, 46-6 to six touchdown to interception ratio the last two seasons with 16 additional rushing touchdowns. So, Drink, he can recruit himself a high school quarterback, cannot – recruit him a transfer quarterback for some reason, maybe not making promises to these guys. I would imagine that probably is a factor where these transfers, you know, they want assurances that they're going to start. Probably not Jaden Daniels, but the other two, JT Daniels and Gary Bohannon, maybe they're just not willing to make that commitment in Missouri. I don't know, but it's interesting because this team clearly needs help at the quarterback position this season. And uh, I don't know where you're going to turn now that the fact Gary Bohannon is not going to be that guy. Maybe, you know, it's one of the guys you got, Brady Cook or Tyler Macon. I mean, maybe they break out just because we haven't seen them break out at the SEC level doesn't mean they're they're not good players. But the fact that uh, Drinkowitz and his staff continue to recruit these quarterbacks says more than anything in their lack of confidence in those two guys to get the job done at this point in time. Maybe they – one or both make huge strides this summer and in training camp, but uh, we're be- we're getting to the point where that's basically their only option, and uh, that that's not looking like a great option based on the fact that Missouri keeps going after all these transfer quarterbacks. Now, last thing here, I just thought this was kind of interesting. We've been talking some of these FanDuel odds. Well, FanDuel has released over/under win totals. For every team in the Power Five this season. And so what I did was I just went through every SEC schedule and counted up the win total per team. So, for example, I went down Alabama's schedule and I looked at every Power Five opponent they're playing. What's the over-under win total for each team? Combine those and then we've got a set number. And I did that for all 14 SEC teams just to give you an indication of how tough your schedule will be for this season just based solely on over under win totals with the caveat that you know the G5 they're not listed here so there is one outlier I want to talk about but when I did this I combined all the over under win totals in the power five per schedule in the SEC and man the tough news continues for War Eagle because Auburn According to this metric, 72 and a half, the highest over-under win total combined all their opponents put together. That's just another indication that uh, the Tigers are in for a tough, tough year. Now playing Alabama, Georgia, Penn State, and the non-conference, that uh, certainly plays a huge role into why these figures are so high for the Auburn Tigers. But that ain't good, brother. So 72 and a half for the Auburn Tigers. Next on the list, Vanderbilt, who they also catch Alabama. It seems like Alabama catches Vanderbilt every two years. I don't know how in the hell that happens. But Vanderbilt, 71.5, so just under the Auburn Tigers. Vanderbilt's got a ridiculous schedule this season. That's not helping. And how about this? This is a little bit of a surprise here. The Florida Gators. Of course, you play Florida State every year. You got Utah out of the non-conference this season. And that is not helping 
Billy Napier and company right out the gate. Florida Gators 71 combined over under win total for their power five opponents this season gives you an indication of the challenge that Billy Napier's got there in Gainesville year one. Next on the list, LSU, 68 and a half. Uh, of course, they also play Florida State this year, play in the SEC West, always a tough slate. You get, you're getting Florida, as always, and Tennessee out of the East this year for Brian Kelly's first year in Baton Rouge. Again, that number 68 and a half. That is actually the same number with Mississippi State and Texas A&M. So all three of those sit there with uh, 68 and a half over under win totals. Mississippi State, of course, has got a little trickier non-conference schedule. They played play Memphis, who got them last year. They do not factor into this. Texas A&M playing Miami. That boosts that schedule up. Texas A&M also gets Florida this season coming to College Station. If you're gonna have, if you have to play Florida, you want to catch them in year one of a coach. You want to catch them at home, and that's what the Aggies do. Next on the docket, South Carolina, 67 and a half. Of course, playing Clemson doesn't help. They're over under right now is 10 and a half. That boosts that number up to that 67 and a half. They catch Arkansas and Texas A&M out of the West. That's arguably two of the top three in the West. A real tough, tough slate here for the South Carolina Gamecocks help, but I'm picking you to beat Georgia. So, hey, it's not all bad news for the South Carolina Gamecocks. Next on the list, Tennessee, 66 and a half over under win total for your power five teams. You go on the road to Pitt. Again, you catch LSU out of the West, Alabama and Georgia certainly boosts up that over under middle of the road for, uh, it, it seems like Tennessee is always playing the, one of the toughest schedules in the country, but middle of the road, maybe that factors into uh, why a lot of people are high on the Vols this season. Georgia next on the list with an over-under 63 total wins on their schedule. They're playing Auburn and Mississippi State out of the West and Georgia Texas joke. Oregon's over-under is pretty high. I think it's like eight and a half. So that boosts up the Bulldogs a little bit. Alabama next on the list, 62 and a half. Over-under win total. The Crimson Tide's non-conference schedule, of course, highlighted by that trip to Austin to play always overrated Texas. I think Texas over-under somehow is like eight and a half. But uh, beyond that, you're catching Tennessee out of the east. You're catching Vandy out of the, the east. So fairly favorable schedule if you're the Crimson Tide. Ole Miss, again, this is a team to watch here. Out of the west, 61 and a half. Is there over-under Win total, you're getting Georgia Tech. That's your toughest non-conference. And, and there's a, their win totals at like four. So, I mean, Lane Kiffin, they're going to continue to keep winning down there in Oxford. You got to love that schedule. Really good chance Ole Miss is 5-0, 6-0 starting the season. Kentucky, they always have somewhat of a cream puff non-conference. That continues 59-and-a-half over under win total. Catching Louisville, which they're a joke. And out of the West, you're getting Mississippi State. Of course, as always, you get Ole Miss. So, Kentucky, very favorable schedule. Again, it's lining. The stars are aligning there in Lexington for a special season. Now, here's the one big asterisk with this one. Arkansas Razorbacks, 59 over under win total for their Power 5 opponents. But who's not listed on their schedule, which – these teams probably deserve to have an over-under win total. Cincinnati, BYU, and Liberty, 
None of those are listed on FanDuel for over-under win total. So this is the one team that uh, I don't trust because based on this metric, Arkansas has got the second easiest schedule in the SEC, which that's not even close to accurate. So Arkansas has got a hell of a schedule this year. They always do not downgrading the Razorbacks based on how tough their schedule is. I'm just saying we got to factor in Cincinnati who just went to the playoff. BYU is always tough. All their 27-year-old men they got there. And Hugh Freeze is Liberty. Of course, every time they face an SEC opponent, they get smashed. They'll get smashed again. But that's still a tricky, tricky game. And last team, which this is where you want to be. You want to be the lowest over-under win total when it comes to your Power 5 opponents, the Missouri Tigers. Hey, another reason to believe in Missouri. These Mizzou fans, they believe in their damn team. They, they think they're going to win the East this year. Here's an indication that uh, maybe you get that done. You catch Auburn out of the West, sign me up for that. You catch Arkansas at the tail end of their brutal schedule. You're getting them, of course, the last game of the season. There's something to like right there about the Missouri Tigers. And, you know, they're another one. It just seems like when you bring, when you hype them up, they disappoint. When you undervalue them, they shock you. So the Missouri Tigers, 55 and a half over under win total based on fan duels, power five opponents here for the Missouri Tigers. Hey, there's something to, to roll into the weekend, give you some confidence. Missouri looking like you may have, there's no such thing as an easy schedule in the SEC, but Missouri, you may have the path of least resistance is probably the best way to say it this season in the SEC. And uh, given the fact you can't land a transfer quarterback, Hell, here's your uh, silver lining here. Whoever you got rolling out there under center, he's going to have himself a path to success based on uh, the fan duels over under win totals. All right, so hey, that's all I got on this episode of the show. I've got uh, an Arkansas guest lined up for later in the week, so be on the lookout for that. Try to get Cousin Shane on the line. One more time, we've got some Q&As. We've got some questions queued up. So, hey, we should have a couple more shows to round out the week. We ain't going anywhere yet. I know it's May here, college football in the back of a lot of people's minds, but we're trying to bring it to the forefront here. Keep bringing you some SEC content when we have it, news and notes around the SEC. So that's going to do it for this episode of the show. Appreciate each and every one of you for tuning in. We'll catch you on the next one.